Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Pastor Larry debuts his upcoming book on Calvinism, and we open the radio vault to look at the prophet Daniel with Noah Hutchings. Have you signed up to become a faithful friend? Faithful friends are individuals and families who come alongside Watchmen on the Wall with a monthly financial gift. Whether it's $10 or $100 per month, it all goes to help Watchmen on the Wall continue to proclaim the truth. We are looking for 300 faithful friends supporting Watchmen on the Wall each month. Will you be one of the faithful 300? Call 1-800-652-1144 and find out the benefits of becoming a faithful friend today. 1-800-652-1144. The life, times, and prophecies of Daniel are examined in Noah Hutchings' classic book, Daniel the Prophet. Today, we get to open the radio vault and listen to James Collins and Noah Hutchings discuss Daniel, his prophecies, and their impact on us today. The book of Daniel contains some of the most significant prophecies recorded in the Word of God. Back in 1990, the former host of this program, Dr. Noah Hutchings, wrote a commentary over Daniel. The book was titled Daniel the Prophet, and when it was released, it was an instant bestseller. The subtitle of Daniel the Prophet was A Comprehensive Examination of the Prophecies Concerning the Historical and Future Gentile world empires. In his easy-to-understand style, Noah Hutchings wrote about the past history and the future prophecies contained in the book of Daniel. After several years of being out of print, Beacon Street Press recently released a brand new edition of Daniel the Prophet. Today on The Watchman on the Wall, we're going to spotlight the book. We are going to dig back into our radio vault and listen to portions of an interview that Noah Hutchings gave several years ago about the book, Daniel the Prophet. In Daniel chapter 1, we read that Israel was invaded by Babylon. Daniel and his three friends were taken captive by the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. Let's listen now as Noah Hutchings gives us more background on Daniel the Prophet. Well, as Assyria had done in the northern kingdom, Babylon also took most of the able-bodied men and women back to Babylon and they took all the priests, the Sanhedrin, and we read in Josephus and Second Kings chapter 24 that the priests and rulers were taken and beheaded in Babylon. And uh, in all, in the first exodus of the captivities taken to Babylon, there were altogether 10,000. Of course, this was during the reign of Jehoiachin and Zedekiah also later, and there were thousands taken back, leaving only in Israel the old people. And uh, they brought in the Moabites and mainly the Edomites, and I think most of the Palestinians today were actually Edomites. The Herods were Edomites. After taking all the captives back into Babylon, a few of the royal family, the young and best educated, like Daniel and his three companions, they were spared to serve in the king's court. And uh, this was not unusual because we have to remember 
that Babylon still tried to get the best educated and the best minds out of all the country to continue the idea of Babylon as a world empire. God gave Daniel knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. God also gave Daniel understanding in visions and dreams. When King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that troubled him in the second year of his reign, God revealed the meaning of the dream to Daniel in a night vision. Here again is Noah Hutchings to explain the meaning of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. That's a huge image, which we know from the next chapter, chapter 3, was 66 cubits high and 6 cubits wide, the same size as our Statue of Liberty on Ellis Island, just across from Babylon, New York, on Long Island. Now, the image had a prophetic meaning, as uh, Daniel told the kings, that it would concern not only his empire, but succeeding empires. The image represented the times of the Gentiles, or the times in which Jerusalem would be trodden down of the Gentiles. And even though the Jews did return from Babylon and rebuild the temple, the city was not completely free of Gentile presence. Even uh, today, the Temple Mount is still under the control of Islamic authority. In a dream given to King Nebuchadnezzar, God revealed through Daniel that there would be future world-ruling empires. Listen as Dr. Noah Hutchings explains the head of gold. We do not have to guess what the head of gold represented because we read that Daniel looked at the king and pointed to the head on the image and said, Thou art this head of gold. The head of gold represented the Babylonian empire which reached from India to Egypt. Dr. Hutchings continued to explain the arms and breast of silver. Again, we do not have to guess what this part of the image represented either in five... 38 B.C., when the armies of Babylon were out in the province trying to keep the empire together, two next-door neighbors, Media and Persia, and their armies surrounded the city, diverted the Euphrates River that flowed under uh, the gates on either side of the city. The army of uh, these two nations took the city in one night. This was a two-part empire that took over, Darius the Mede ruled the new empire first, and then Cyrus of Persia ruled it after Darius. So this part of the prophecy came to pass just as Daniel interpreted the dream. I'm James Collins, and you are listening to a special episode of The Watchman on the Wall. We are spotlighting the re-release of Dr. Noah Hutchings' book, Daniel the Prophet. Originally released in 1990, Daniel the Prophet was one of Noah's most popular books. Beacon Street Press has released a new edition of this book, and you can order a copy right now by calling 1-800-652-1144, 1-800-652-1144, or you can always order a copy online at swrc.com. Let's go back to the radio archives and listen now as Noah Hutchings explains the meaning of the belly and thighs of brass from the statue in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. The Persian Empire that existed in two parts uh, held together until 333 B.C., a period of about 235 years. 
But during this time, there was continual wars with Greece. Finally, in 333 B.C., young King Alexander of Greece crossed over into what is now the Istanbul area of Turkey, and though his army was smaller than that of Persia, it was well-trained in a new battlefield tactic called the phalanx. Alexander destroyed the million-man Persian army. Then Alexander conquered all the territory from Libya to the Indus River in India. Now, Alexander died in 320 B.C. in Babylon, and as prophesied in chapter 8, his empire was divided into four parts, and it existed as a four-part empire until 170 A.D., and it lasted about 150 years. The next Gentile kingdom was represented by legs of iron. Here again is Noah Hutchings with more. The legs of iron on the image represented the fourth Gentile world empire after Greece, and this empire was Rome. Now, the Italian peninsula was mountainous and volcanic, somewhat of a hostile environment until about 1000 B.C., but gradually, several different tribes of people began to move in and settle along coastal areas. The Etruscans were the main ones, and then came the Sabines, the Latins, and others. In 488 B.C., after an alliance of the smaller tribes overthrew the Etruscans, they came together and formed a Republican central government, a Senate and uh, this was located at Rome. The Senate appointed a leader, and they called him a Caesar. There was warfare, though, between Rome and Carthage across the Mediterranean Sea until about 170 B.C., and this took uh, most of Rome's attention and uh, delayed them in expanding. But after Carthage was destroyed and finally defeated, of course, this gave uh, Rome the opportunity to move into the Middle East and expand northward into Europe all the way from India to what is now England. Now, the new empire, though, became divided into two parts, just as the legs on the image represented, Rome in the west and the Byzantine Empire in the east. It was known as the Iron Empire, though, Roman Iron Law. And the weapons of the Roman soldiers, at least their chief weapon, was a small iron sword for close fighting, and this identified the Roman Empire. The statue in Nebuchadnezzar's dream had feet of iron and clay. Let's listen now as Noah Hutchings explains the prophetic significance of the feet of iron and clay. In about 475 A.D., the Roman Empire did indeed begin to break up and uh, smaller empires arose out of the pieces. The British Empire, the French Empire, the German Empire, the Portuguese Empire, Holland, Belgium, and the Italian Empires. Now, all of these separate empires, though, began fighting for world domination between themselves or getting pieces of the world. Now, World War One and World War Two were the result of fightings between these European powers or empires. 
Towards the end of World War II, Roosevelt and Stalin ganged up on Churchill and told him that the European colonial system was over and they had to give up their colonies. Now, Churchill protested that England had not fought this war to see the dissolution of the British Empire. But he had no other options as he was confronted with two of the world's new superpowers in the United States and Russia. So then the United Nations was formed in 1945, and the European powers then allowed their colonies to become independent nations, or we might say smaller pieces of iron. In 1940, there were still about 70 nations in the world. But after World War II, they began to rise in number, and now there are over 200 nations in the world. And these came mainly out of the breakup, or further breakup, of the old Roman Empire. Now, Jesus said, Behold the fig tree, when we know the fig tree represents Israel, Uh, So when the fig tree buds, he said, uh, watch for the fig tree budding as signs of its coming. Now, this happened in 1948. But in Luke, we read that Jesus said, behold the fig trees and all the trees when they bud. So all the trees budded after Israel became a nation. As we go from the head to the toes on the image, we are passing in time. That is, the times of the Gentiles. We are still in the time of the Fourth Empire, or Rome, in its broken condition. Now, the toes evidently represent kings, and there will be a revived Roman Empire. And uh, we see this Roman Empire in the stages of uh, development today. Now, in 1955 or 1956, an initial alliance of European nations came together as the common market. The European nations had lost their colonies, and so far the common good as far as products were concerned and strength, they came together for economic reasons. But the common market grew into the European Union, a political entity. Headlines of European newspapers read back together again. Now, when were they ever together? Well, they were together in the Roman Empire, so they were back together again. According to Daniel 9, Revelation 13, 17, and 18, this revived Roman Empire will produce a world leader, the Antichrist, after the order of Nebuchadnezzar. What we see happening in Europe and the Middle East is preparing the way for this to happen. Throughout his book, Daniel the Prophet, Noah Hutchings focused on the prophecies Daniel revealed about the future one world ruler, the Antichrist. His study took him to Daniel eleven thirty-six. Thus far in our study of Daniel, we have brought out many things about the Antichrist, his nature, and uh, his empire. It is difficult to say anything about him without being repetitious. Nevertheless, let us glean some additional truths about the coming world ruler from verse 36. Now, number one, we read, The king will do according to his will. The king, as stated in the preceding verses, 
of course, is looking forward to the coming Antichrist. We notice next that this willful king will exalt himself above every god. There are several uh, movements afoot today to bring all religions under one theocratic roof. That's taking place right now. The fact that the willful king of Daniel 11.36 will also be the Antichrist is proved by Revelation 13.15, where we read that all the world will worship him and he will exalt himself above every god. Daniel is told about this. Now, number three, we read that this willful king will prosper. This dictator's kingdom will prosper and he will enlarge his dominion and he will overcome all opposition. This will be the abomination that maketh deathless his standing in the temple of God at Jerusalem, showing himself to all the world that he is the God of all gods. Now, the Jews will flee from the land, as we read in Matthew 24, also in Revelation 12, and it will become desolate, and it will not rain for three and one half years. Years And this will be a terrible time that Daniel was told that there would never be a time like it in the world before. And Jesus also repeated that prophecy. Today, the world is turning its back on Christ. And uh, the world today is looking for an antichrist, someone who is supposedly going to heal all the world's problems, stop all war, Get rid of hunger, get rid of disease. Seem like we hear this promise being made by someone today. You have been listening to a special edition of The Watchman on the Wall featuring Dr. Noah Hutchings. We have been spotlighting the re-release of Noah's classic book, Daniel the Prophet. If you are interested in continuing to learn more about the life and times of Daniel, the history of the world, and future Bible prophecy, you will be blessed by the book. Daniel the Prophet by Noah Hutchings. This is James Collins leaving you with the words that Noah Hutchings said so many times. God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Daniel prophesied the exact chronology for the rise and the fall of the nations and empires during the times of the Gentiles. He foretold the exact date of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the nations that would be involved in the Middle East in the last days. Jesus referred to the prophecies of Daniel in the Olivet Discourse. Michael informed Daniel that in these days, when the time drew near for God to set up a kingdom on earth that would never pass away, the prophet's sealed book would be unsealed. Now is that time. Today, we are offering the updated and expanded edition of Daniel the Prophet, a comprehensive examination of the prophecies concerning the historical and future Gentiles world empires by Noah Hutchings. This book will give you the tools and understanding that will help you engage in your own adventure of faith and discovery in the book of Daniel. Order Daniel the Prophet when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, has a brand new resource scheduled to be released next month. 
To share all the details, here's James Collins and Dr. Larry Spargimino. Southwest Radio Ministries has always been a prophetic ministry, but we have also had a focus on contending for the faith. We receive letters and inquiries from listeners about different ministries and different movements. Pastor Larry has been hard at work on a book that should be available by the end of September. The title is Calvinism on Trial, This Tulip Has Thorns. Pastor Larry, why did you write your book? And tell us about the reference to Tulip. Well, James, Calvinism is a system of theology associated with John Calvin. Calvin is mainly known for his teaching on predestination. God has predestinated the elect to be saved and no one else. One of the best and most carefully articulated definitions of predestination is found in chapter 3 of the Westminster Confession of Faith. Allow me to read it. By the decree of God for the manifestation of his glory, some men and angels are predestinated unto everlasting life and others foreordained to everlasting death. Now, this is called double predestination. Some men and angels are predestinated unto everlasting life, and others are foreordained to everlasting death. And it is by the decree, the plan, and design of God that this happens. And then the Westminster Confession says, quote, These angels and men, thus predestinated and foreordained, are particularly and unchangeably designed and their number so certain and definite that it cannot be either increased or diminished. So there are a very specific number of elect angels and men who have been picked by God before time began to be saved. That number will never be increased or diminished. And also, a fixed number of men and angels have been picked before time began to be damned. It sort of sounds like God is a cosmic control freak. Well, James, that's exactly it. God is seen as an authoritarian control freak who is following a script written before time began, whereby he micromanages the lives of every human being, past, present, and future. Many churches have Awana, Sunday school classes, vacation Bible school, and so on. And we used to sing, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Now, could a Calvinist sing that song? Well, a good Calvinist would say that's bad theology. Does Jesus really love the little children? They would say probably not. Some of those little children may be on their way to hell by virtue of the divine decree. That sounds very hard, but, you know, we just read some are predestinated to heaven and some are not. Would you explain TULIP, T-U-L-I-P? Calvinism has five key beliefs that set it apart from other theologies. These key beliefs are total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. The first letter of each of these terms spells TULIP, T-U-L-I-P. They are called the doctrines of grace or the five points of Calvinism. The T stands for total depravity. All Christians believe that we are born sinful. We are by nature children of wrath. However, the Calvinistic doctrine of total depravity takes this a step further. It could really be called total inability. No one can take the first step toward salvation unless their hearts have been changed. In other words, regeneration, the new birth, comes before faith. 
Now, non-Calvinists would say a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ, and on the basis of that faith, that person is regenerated or born again. Calvinists disagree. They would say no one can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ apart from first being born again. So, for the Calvinists, you are born again before you believe. If you're not born again, you cannot believe because you're totally depraved. What scriptures do Calvinists use to support their view on total depravity? Ephesians 2.1 says that we were dead in trespasses and sins. So Calvinists take that to mean that spiritually we were dead. And they understand dead to mean that we were spiritually and morally annihilated or obliterated. We have no free will. We are in bondage to our fallen nature. We are morally stupid. We can't take even a step towards Jesus Christ. That's total depravity as they define it. Now, of course, in the Bible, death does not mean annihilated or obliterated. Death means separation. You know, James, when Adam ate the forbidden fruit, he died just like God promised in Genesis 2.17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So what happened when Adam ate of the tree? He died like God said he would. But Adam did not fall over dead. He did not stop breathing. He did not cease to exist. He hid. He was separated from God. Now, why did Adam hide? Well, he had a conscience, and he knew that he had disobeyed God. He had spiritual perception. He was not totally depraved in the Calvinistic sense. Even though Adam was fallen and, quote, depraved, he still had a conscience. Remember, Adam, just like all of us, were all made in the image of God. Well, what happened to the image of God? Well, as Dr. Norman Geisler correctly said, the image of God in man was effaced, but it was not erased. We are still human. We still have intrinsic worth. In Genesis 9, 6, we're told why murder is wrong. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. We must not commit murder. We must not take the life of another human being, for man is special. He was made in the image of God. In James 3, 9, we're told this about the tongue. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude, that means the image and the likeness of God. You know, one of the reasons we strongly oppose abortion is because unborn babies are people. They've been made in the image of God. Our featured resource today is the classic book, Daniel the Prophet, a comprehensive examination of the prophecies concerning the historical and future Gentiles world empires by author Noah Hutchings. This book will give you the tools and understanding that will help you engage in your own adventure of faith and discovery in the book of Daniel. Order Daniel the Prophet when you call toll-free 1-800-652-1144. That's one 800 652 1144. Or you can always order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. And would you please invite a friend to listen to Watchmen on the Wall? They can tune in on their favorite radio station or simply subscribe to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Remember, friends, God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Would you please visit swrc.com? 
That's swrc.com. And as always, thank you. Thank you for your prayers and financial support of Watchmen on the Wall.